Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. In today's podcast, I'm speaking with Nicole Lovold about her new book, Om Sweet Om. This is the inspiring story of how a stressed out corporate junkie found her way to a yoga mat and eventually back to herself. After 15 years of working in the land of cubicles, unreasonable deadlines, and unhealthy habits, Nicole realized there had to be a better way to live. She had lost sight of how to take care of herself and her body was letting her know. Om Sweet Om takes you through her transformation, as well as the practical tools she used on her mind-body-spirit path. In this book, you will find hope, humor, raw emotion, vulnerability, and endless wisdom. The practical exercises sprinkled throughout make for a life-changing experience and will appeal to anyone who has found themselves searching. No matter what it is you seek, Om Sweet Om shares how to quiet the inner mind's chatter and unnecessary striving so that you can become whole again. Nicole is a former corporate addict turned yoga teacher, life coach, and self-care advocate. She is the owner of Spirit of the Lake Yoga and Wellness Center in Excelsior, Minnesota. Nicole is also a trained counselor who has spent much of her career helping veterans, at-risk children, and victims of violence and abuse. For more information, please visit her website at www.nicolelovold.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books Network. This is the Spiritual Practice and Mindfulness channel. I'm Elizabeth Cronin, a host of the channel. Today, I'm talking to Nicole Lovold. Did I get that right? Lovold. About her book, Om Sweet Om, a Corporate Junkie Search for Enlightenment. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you for having me, Elizabeth. Yeah, glad to have you here. I'm wondering if you could start us out by telling us a little bit, little bit about yourself and how you came to write this book. Absolutely. So I am a yogi living in Minnesota, where right now it's negative 13 degrees outside. (laughs) So a very frigid, cold day, but the sun is shining. So it's it's a beautiful day. Um, But I own a yoga studio in Excelsior, Minnesota. Um, I'm a life coach. I've been a um, helper in some aspect all my life. I have a, a degree in counseling. Um, so I enjoy, you know, working with people in a lot of different ways. Um, but I, prior to working in um, the yoga world and the wellness world, I was in the corporate arena. So I worked in higher education at a for-profit institution for many, many years. And um, so my book is about that transition from working in the corporate world to um, making the leap into the wellness world. Right, great. What, what would you say was key in prompting that? I mean, in the book, you get into a little bit of physical stuff, but for you, what, what prompted you? 
Yeah, I, um, I, I think I had a little bit of a health crisis. I think it's something that a lot of people go through when, when you're young and working, you know, a lot of hours and, and stressing yourself out um, with the jobs that we're working. And so I'll give you a little back story. My husband was in the military at the time. He, he served 25 years in the military, so he's a veteran now. And um, he was deploying to Iraq. And as you can imagine, um, you know, as a military spouse, you're trying to hold the family together. We had a two-year-old at the time, our son. Um, So trying to kind of hold the family together, trying to support him, trying to support my son. Um, I was doing it all. I was working, you know, my way up the ladder in the corporate world and um, was just trying to manage everything. And um, the stress was starting to impact my health. So... Um, I talk a little bit in the book about my hair starting to fall out and um, realizing that something was going on and I wasn't sure what it was. I I hadn't made that connection yet from stress to um, the health issues that I was having. So I started seeing different doctors and asking, you know, questions about um, what what could be happening and why am I so fatigued all the time? Um, you know, why is my brain so foggy? And um, and the doctors really didn't have an answer for me until one day I found myself um, talking to, I was starting to look for kind of alternative health solutions. And I went to a Chinese medicine practitioner. And it was in talking with that practitioner, um, she asked all kinds of questions in the intake form. And um, she looked at me and said, well, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, what's wrong with you is that you're under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. um, and that you have a lot of stress that you're dealing with. And then she started to explain, um, you know, the uh, sympathetic nervous system and the way that our bodies handle stress um, and what that chronic stress can do to us over time. And so what happened is I... I I was just amazed that, you know, stress was the cause of all these things. It it made sense, but it was kind of an aha moment for me. So then I started um, just researching and reading all the books that I could and and started to learn more about how to kind of take my health into my own hands and make some changes. Why do you think it's so hard for people to get the connection between physical health and stress? I mean, like even yourself. I mean, I don't know if you feel like you're young and healthy, so stress somehow shouldn't affect you. Yeah. You know, I think, well, for me, I'll speak from my experience. I grew up um, wanting to achieve. And it was in that achievement, in the, the success, you know, when I achieved something that I would get accolades and that I would get the pat on the back. And, and so I grew up constantly striving, constantly pushing myself, whether it was in sports or school or, you know, whatever it was that I was doing, I felt like the harder I pushed myself, the more I was going to succeed in life. And so I had this definition of success that um, I've certainly shifted and changed now. Um, But I, I didn't recognize that in order to be successful, we also need to have that balance of downtime and that ability to um, have some quiet to process all the information that we're taking in and and um, that we just, you know, need to give ourselves rest. You know, I, I remember in, in the college years, so many years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago now, um, 
you know, we would stay up, I would stay up all night studying and then I would go to work in the morning and work, you know, full time and then go to school. And, um, and that's just what we did. And so I, I, I think that now because stress is such a big deal, um, such a big, big issue for so many of us, chronic stress, um, stress in and of itself is, you know, is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's when we are constantly under it. I think it's such a major um, issue for society today that we're just now starting to really understand um, the impacts of it and how it, um, you know, what it does to our health over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, listening to you made me think of, you talk in the book about the way people compare how busy they are, almost like the, comp, the competitive nature, especially in the corporate world. Can sure. you say a little bit about that? Because I, I think people are afraid to slow down. They're afraid they yeah. won't, they'll get lost or left behind. Yeah, exactly. I remember going to happy hours when I was working in the corporate world. And I think I mentioned this in the book where we'd go to a happy hour and it was almost like a competition amongst everybody. You know, how many hours, how late are you working and, you know, who's going to work this weekend and how many hours are you putting in? And so it is almost a little bit of a competition. Um, And I think it's in that striving to get ahead, right? We're always... Um, at least I was always trying to work my my way up the ladder and, and get that next promotion and that next thing. But in doing so, you know, I wasn't ever allowing myself that that downtime um, in order to rest and relax. And so I think we need to, as a culture, kind of shift. And and hopefully it's starting to happen. But shift the way that we we look at um, our work and even you know amongst our families. I have two little kids, um, not so little anymore. They're eight and 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've tried really hard to find that, that sweet spot, that balance of having activities and having things for them, um, you know, enrichment activities to learn from, whether it's sports or, or um, you know, instruments or things like that. But then also being sure that we carve out just plain old simple downtime where there's no activities planned, where there's nothing going on so that they can be okay with, um, you know, resting and rejuvenating and um, be okay with being bored. Because I think we're, you know, as adults, we're overscheduled in our work lives. Um, and then, you know, with our kids, I think we tend to overschedule them as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just on this, this tangent, I guess, right now, where I think as a society, it's important for us to just recognize that we need um, that that unstructured, um, unscheduled time in our lives as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so true. Another thing that you talk about in the book, and you have journal exercises, is journaling. So I just wondered if you wanted to say something about about that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how I um, started writing this book. I. Um, didn't have an idea necessarily that I was going to sit down and, and write a book about my transition and from the corporate world to the yoga world or, or the things that I learned along the way. But um, what happened is I had some, some good friends that uh, were doing a lot of journaling and a lot of writing. And we went away um, for a girls weekend, mm-hmm. carved out that time, went away and, and spent a weekend together just in a cabin in the woods somewhere. Nice. And each morning they would open up their laptop and they'd start just journaling and writing. And so I thought, okay, I have the time. Let me just try this. And what was amazing to me is as I started to 
um, type, or sometimes I even used pen, old fashioned pen and paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I would start to write, I was amazed at what was coming out mm-hmm. and that it felt really therapeutic um, to be able to process the things that I had gone through. Um, you know, like I said, with my husband being in the military, there was a lot of stuff um, with him being deployed to Iraq that I hadn't, you know, I had in the back of my mind and in my heart, certainly, but I, I don't know that I had fully processed all of it yet. And so just doing that writing and that um, journaling, um, it was it was very therapeutic and a way for me to uncover things about myself that had not necessarily come to the surface yet. Um, so I love journaling. I think it's a great practice and that's why I have exercises kind of throughout the book. I think it's a great practice for people to, you know, get in touch with what's inside of them that again, maybe they've been too busy to hear, um, or maybe they, they just haven't, you know, found that connection to that space yet. And I think, um, journaling, you know, meditation is certainly another wonderful way to get in touch with that, that part of you. I know that you and your work, um, Elizabeth, talk a lot about uh, mindfulness, and it sounds like you have a meditation and mindfulness practice as well, so I'm sure you can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely can. Um, I think you're right. Sometimes journaling is a, is a way to get in touch with all that busyness in your, in your head that, you know, we, when we sit to meditate or when you try to do yoga, you could become so much more aware of it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite journal exercise in the book or something that people have talked to quite a bit about or? Yeah. Um, I think, wow. And I'm, I'm processing right now. What's my favorite? There's so many, but I know there's so, so many. Yeah. I think a good one is um, to sit down and it helps you uncover some of your, um, your beliefs that you might not be aware of. Mm. Um, and so you could just start with, um, you know, what I believe about family, yeah. what I believe about health, mm-hmm. what I believe about work, you know, and input the different um, aspects of your life and just, you know, journal, write and process um, what you think about those things. You know, what does work mean to you? What do you value? Um, and you know, we move through our days acting often from a place of our beliefs and our values, but we don't always, you know, take that time to really get clear on what they are. Um, so I think having that, that practice, uh, you know, every, I, I like to do a practice like that around the start of a year. I also love doing vision boarding mm-hmm. for that reason to really get clear on, you know, what is it that's important to me in my life right now in this moment and then that can kind of help to guide you in the actions that you take moving forward. As a mom, do you do anything formal with your kids? I used to. I don't as much now that they're a little bit older. Uh, but when they were little kids, um, they we used to meditate together. Nice. And in fact, one of my favorite pictures um, ever was when my my daughter was probably only two years old. And so my son was about six. Um, I have a picture of us sitting in a circle and it's a, oh. a hot Minnesota summer day, um, which is rare, but it happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my daughter is in a diaper and just naked and her belly 
you know, when, when kids are that age, right? They have those big hanging over. Just hanging over. My son doesn't have a shirt on. And so we're all, we're sitting in this circle oh. and they have their eyes closed and the sun is kind of gazing. They're coming in, shining over them. And it's just this peaceful, mm. beautiful image. So I remember that. Um, so yeah, we, we have done meditation over the years and um, also, uh, I used to teach kids yoga classes and family classes a lot more. I do it once in a while now, but I used to do it quite often. And yeah, so they, it's just been kind of infused um, into their lives and it's been a part of what we do as a family. Now it's not as formal. Um, I would say now, you know, if I'm rolling out my yoga mats and I'm doing a yoga practice, they'll sometimes jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll sit down and, you know, meditate and ask them to join me sometimes. But I've, I've allowed it to be, you know, I tried to go from a place of teaching them some practices to now they know them. So, you know, I, I just let them jump in when they want to and where it makes sense instead of I don't want to prescribe it. I want it to be something that they enjoy and that they choose to do. Um, one thing that I think is interesting is, you know, with yoga, we do a lot of breath work. Mm-hmm. and breath work for, for calming the nervous system. And you can do breath work, you know, for stimulating. Um, but I, in the past, would often teach them just breathing into their belly to calm their bodies and to pay attention to what's going on in their bodies. Um, and I'll never forget with my, um, my son, who has um, ADHD. So I worked, you know, particularly with him in, in some ways for calming his body. I remember one of his teachers pulled me aside when he was maybe in either first or second grade. And she said that she witnessed him throughout the day when he was getting overwhelmed um, or getting really fidgety or, you know, things like that. She would see him take some deep breaths and try to calm himself down. And I just thought, okay, it's working, right? It's, you know, it's nice. It's sinking in and he he was figuring out how to use it himself. Um, So yeah, so that, because of that, I've been, you know, passionate about working. Um, I work privately with families to um, help their kids understand how to connect with their bodies and how to use breath work and, and different practices to kind of calm their minds. And, um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a wonderful aha moment of, okay, this stuff is really working um, in a very tangible way. That's a great testimony too, to the, to the reality that kids can use these strategies to calm themselves and reduce their stress. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're under so much stress these days. And, you know, I think, um, with the tests that they're constantly taking, um, and the sports, you know, the pressure in sports and things, you know, kids are under a lot of, um, pressure and a lot of stress. And so, you know, I, I, I often think about had I, um, known, these strategies and and had these practices when I was a kid, how much less suffering I would have gone through as a teenager, um, you know, and through my early twenties and, you know, just when you're going through so much and there's, there's just, there's so much pressure. There's a lot of pressure on us as adults, but I think, you know, in those like teenage years when your body's changing and then when you go into college, um, there's just so much going on that, um, the younger we can teach these skills, I think the better. I know you think about it. Mm-hmm. These little kids go from, you know, preschool, which was basically playing into like first grade or definitely by second grade, they get spelling tests and it's all it becomes all about performance and achievement. 
It is. It's really hard. And um, there are a lot of programs starting now introducing mindfulness in schools into the curriculum and Mm -hmm. a long, long way to go. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. It it is nice to see, at least in our um, area, um, when I go into the classroom to volunteer, you know, different activities with my kids, you might see breathing balls in the um, corner of the room or see um, posters of some yoga poses or, or things. So I think teachers are starting to bring them um, into the classroom a little bit more. They might not even be calling it yoga or mindfulness. They might call it gentle stretch or, or you know, breathing, right? Sometimes even just circle time. Yeah. And yeah. they'll tell, you know, they'll call it circle time, but they're, they're kind of breathing and just pausing, which mm-hmm. is the general idea. Absolutely. Um, so here's a different, going on a different angle. I'm just kind of curious. And the idea, the thought just came to the question just came to me. When you say your husband was a military man, it's so interesting because in this culture, you know, it's, it'd be easy to see the at opposite ends of something the military, hardcore discipline and all that. And then this like soft, touchy-feely, mindful (laughs) meditation stuff. So I just wonder if you can say something about that. Yeah, I I get the question often from people. So does your husband do yoga? Yeah. I I say he has and he does once in a while, but it's not a daily practice for him. Um, But yeah, and he's actually, now that he retired from um, the military, he joined the fire department, the volunteer fire department. Oh. So now he's a firefighter. So he's definitely an adrenaline junkie. Okay. You know, he loves to be in that fight, fight or flight, sympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system place. And I talk to people about how to counter that. <laughs> so it, it is interesting. I feel like in our relationship, we have a little bit of a yin, yin yang yeah. Um, yeah. going on. Um, but he, you know, with all that joking aside, he does um, certainly see the benefit of these practices. He, so in the military, he kind of moved up. Um, he started as an enlisted soldier and then became an officer and moved up to the rank of um, Lieutenant Colonel. So at that point, you know, usually you have quite a few soldiers working under you. Yeah. So he had, you know, a lot of people working for him. So, um, you know, imagine the amount of, um, um, responsibility that a person, you know, might feel taking a couple hundred soldiers into a war zone, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility. And, you know, he did have to figure out ways to stay calm and to stay focused. And so for him, um, he has used um, running is more his kind of meditation because it's a physical um, practice for him. But um, you know, as he's, he's running, just like you might in meditation, you're kind of calming your mind, coming to your breath, um, you know, and then he would use other, other practices, um, not necessarily yoga, like I said, but um, kind of meditation and, and breath work and things like that. Um, so I, I do think that even though in the military, there's this hardcore persona, you know, there is this kind of you have to sometimes have a tough outer shell. Um, if you're not willing to get quiet and connect with the inner stuff that's going on, I think that's where oftentimes um, soldiers will have, um, you know, challenges, have um, PTSD, or have, um, um, you know, just uh, just a lot of emotional challenges and whatnot. So, so with that 
said, I think it is important for service members, even if you have that, or most importantly, if you have that outer tough shell, still to connect with what's on the inside and whether you're talking with a therapist or, um, you know, whatever your practice is, just to, to be able to find that softness and connect to it and, you know, let those emotions come out. So he's had to figure out how to do that. <laughs> and lucky for him, he has a resource at home to help. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that is interesting because in you talking about that and you're saying, because there are mindfulness strategies that, that are really practical. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, going back again to that idea that people are afraid that somehow if they slow down and take some time to process things, they're going to fall behind or, you know, that you can't really achieve if you're taking breaks, you know what I mean? You can't afford to rest. Um, but when you were describing what he did, I, I started to wonder um, if he would, you know, possibly be more careful about his self-talk. And, you know, you, you know, when you sit down on a cushion or your mat to, for yoga, you can all of a sudden hear all that chatter that's in there. And the value of just being quiet and picking up on that is then you can decide um, how you want to manage that chatter. Mm -hmm. So you can say, you know, like, it's your sort of your attitude when you go in, what is on your mind? Because what's on your mind can improve your chances of achieving. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as you were talking, I, I was thinking about how the military has this practice of after um, a mission or a big exercise or something, they always take the time to debrief. Mm. And so they get together in community, right? They get together with their unit and they take the time to together process what happened, talk about the things that went well, talk about the things that maybe didn't go as well and get everything out, right? Put it all out on the table, come to some kind of conclusion and then let it go. And so when you think about it, that is um, somewhat of a mindfulness practice where they're coming to allow whatever thoughts or, or emotions or feelings or things that came up for them during that exercise or that practice, they're sharing. And then without necessarily um, judging it, and, and, you know, maybe there's a little bit of judgment because they're learning from it. Um, but then they, they have that practice of, okay, we're going to take this, whatever we learned from it, and then let go. Let go of the emotion that you have attached to it. Let go of what went you think went poorly or, uh, and then move on and, and, um, continue on with the rest of your day. So in mindfulness, um, you know, that's essentially what we're doing is we're bringing our awareness to whatever the experiences that we're having in the moment and processing that in some way, we're allowing it to come up. And then we're, instead of holding on to it and attaching to it. We're learning from it. We're being, becoming aware, you know, and then we're allowing it to, to move on. We're allowing it to go, letting go of it so that we can just continue on with the rest of our day. Um, you talked about, or you mentioned that, you know, there are some, some nice practical exercises that you can do for this. Uh, one of my favorite mindfulness exercises that I've used for myself and that I, I share with other people is one, um, and you're probably familiar with this, it's called STOP. Mm. And you use the acronym STOP. The S stands for simply stop. So stop whatever it is you're doing. Take that pause. Take that break. The T 
stands for take a few breaths. And so when you're taking a few breaths, I encourage people to breathe into your belly because then you're, you're taking some nice long, deep breaths. You're toning your vagus nerve, which um, is responsible for helping your body to get into the parasympathetic nervous system. So you're calming your body down just simply by taking a few breaths. So you stop, you take a few breaths, and then you observe. The O is for observe. So essentially what you're doing there is you're just becoming aware of what's happening in my mind, what's happening you know, physically in my body. Are my shoulders tense and all the way up to my ears? Is my jaw clenched? Um, is my heart racing? And then the last one, P, is once you have all that information, and it's just that, it's just information, then you can proceed on with more awareness. You can move on with your day. And, and so the reason that I, I share that exercise is it's something that you can do in one minute. You know, you don't need a lot of time. You don't need to be anywhere specific. You know, you don't have to be on your meditation cushion in your yoga room or, or at a yoga studio or any place like that. Um, you know, you can do it in between meetings when you're at work. You can do it sitting at a stoplight when you're driving your car. And the more you practice that, the more you start to become aware of how am I holding my body and my tension and my stress throughout the day? Am I moving through the day in a state of kind of anxiety or frenzied, um, kind of that frenetic energy? Can I use my breath to kind of calm myself down? Or am I on the opposite side? Maybe I'm moving through my day feeling really sluggish and really lethargic. It's just great information so that you can start to then be more aware of what's happening for you, body, mind, and spirit, mm-hmm. and, and then potentially, you know, make healthier changes or, you know, make adjustments as needed. As you were speaking, I was thinking, right, you can't, you can't fix or improve or do something about an issue you're not even noticing. Yes. Yeah. And we do walk around like, you know, not noticing how clenched we are or tightened we are against things. And we don't notice minor aches and pains. We're so good at tuning those things out. And then that causes the health issues. Yeah. And you think about panic attacks, you know, a panic attack for a lot of people seemingly just happens, right? It just comes on from nowhere. But really when you become more aware, there are signs and signals, right? There are symptoms leading up to it. So Again, you know, just taking that that pause and that 30-second break or that minute break throughout your day, over time, it just helps you become more aware of how am I holding my body, where, you know, again, um, what are the symptoms, what are the signs or the signals that something might be off, or maybe that something is working well. And you start to recognize that throughout the day, your energy and, you know, things fluctuate, maybe based on you know, maybe every day when you're driving to work, you're already getting yourself really worked up. So how might you then, if you recognize that for yourself, how might you find things that are more calming or soothing? Maybe you listen to soothing music on the drive into work then instead, or maybe you use affirmations or mantras that help you. Um, Maybe you notice that at the end of the day, when you're driving home and you're getting, um, you know, transitioning from a busy work day to um, stepping into a busy home life with kids and spouses and, you know, all the things that come along with that. Maybe that's when you're your most kind of uptight, if you will. So it just, yeah, it's such a great 
great tool for for becoming more aware. Yeah, that kind of speaks to a, another question I had about how can really busy people get started and and get some sense of the benefits in order to you know motivate them to to really make changes. Um, and in the book you were talking about when you were going through it, I think you said when the one of your kids was little, you would just put them in the crib and you just started to sneak in little bits and pieces throughout your day, like a little pose yeah. here or there. And yeah. Yeah. When my, um, this is when my daughter was little, I was in yoga teacher training and I had this idea in my mind before going through my teacher training program that, you know, yoga was an hour long class that you went to a gym for, you went to a yoga studio for, and that was what yoga is. Right. But then as I started to learn more about the, um, the philosophy and the whole, um, all of the aspects of yoga, we call them the eight limbs in the yoga world, um, but the, that includes the breath work and um, your meditation practice and the, the physical practice, the asanas, and then also um, some, um, some value-driven concepts as well. And so as I started to learn more, I realized, okay, there are ways that I can incorporate aspects of yoga into my life, you know, in, in very small ways. And so the, the thing that you're referring to, yes, is that um, when my daughter was young, I'd put her in her crib. And um, I don't know if this is the best parenting, but she, <laughs> she would cry if I left the room. And so I would rub her back for a little while. And then I would I just felt like I had to stay in her room until she fell asleep. And so at first, my my inner dialogue was that of, you know, frustration and am I doing the right thing and kind of anger and, you know, all those things. And then one day I realized I could just use this time to get into a child's pose. I could use this time to sit and meditate. I could stretch, you know, I can use that time instead of being angry and frustrated and, you know, feeling like, oh, she's taking my time away from me. Cause you know, once you put your kids to bed, it's like free time for mom, right? After the laundry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started, I started just incorporating the practices or these practices and time really what it is, is time for me, right? Self-care for me started to find little moments throughout my day. So whether it was, you know, at night, um, when I lie in a child's pose or, or something like that. Um, sometimes I'd roll my mat out in the little, in the middle of our living room and my kids would be crawling all over me. Um, but then it would encourage me to maybe not have a more quiet, mindful practice, but to have some mindful moments with them, to have some laughter and some playtime. Um, so yeah, I think there, there certainly are ways that you can start to allow um, self-care to come into your life that isn't so structured um, as, you know, carving out an hour for a massage or, you know, things like that. So absolutely. Yeah. That, those are the kinds of things that really, I think, do help because um, throughout the course of the day, there's a lot of things. I know when I realize I have to stop and get gas, sometimes mm -hmm. I'll be like, well, this is not convenient. I, I mean, I'm in such a hurry to get to the next place and now I'm going to have to stop. And I mean, it's really only takes about five or six minutes. And what mm -hmm. I've tried to do now is I try to take those moments, like you said, when we all of a sudden we're angry or irritated because, you know, we're in such a hurry and yes, you know, put her in the crib and I've got to move on. 
And I'm trying to look for ways too. So I, I tell myself, okay, when time I get gas, it's my opportunity to take anywhere from like five to 10 deep breaths. Sure. And it, it really, it really is amazing. Um, yep. And I'm one of those people who always wonders like, what is the deal with the breath? They're always talking about the breath, <laughs> but it's there and it, it's yeah. so effective. It is. And you don't have to pay for it and it's always available and it can have an immediate effect on you. And everyone knows how to breathe. Yes. We all yes. know how to do it. Yes. One of my favorite, I read this in a book and I, I apologize. I can't remember which book it is, so I can't give credit. Um, but it was a mindfulness related book. And um, the author talked about every time she would get a coffee, every time she would go into a coffee shop, she would put her phone away. And, and I think about this because I'm often, if I order, you know, food or coffee or whatever, if I'm by myself, I'm immediately on my phone scrolling social media. And so I think about this because she would use that time as her mindfulness practice. Mm. She would put her phone away. She would take some deep breaths. She would look around and smile at people and just, you know, take that time um, to be present. And so, yeah, I think there are so many different ways. We just have to figure out for ourselves whether it's putting gas in the car, getting your coffee, putting your kids to bed, you know, there are throughout the day, there are opportunities that you can weave these things in without having to schedule it. Well, that's great. And I think your book is really helpful because it shows that, you know, um, you can make a major shift in your life. You can go from having this mindset that, you know, we have to achieve, we always have to be striving and doing things and, you know, it's just nice the way you documented and, uh, and the examples, the exercises and things are, I think are really helpful. Thank you. Something we all, something we all need. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, there's still striving in my life here and there, but I think um, the, um, the beauty is finding that balance and recognizing that it's okay to set work aside and to slow down and, and to find that, yeah, that balance between the two, you know, I said between my husband and I, the yin and the yang, I think in our lives, we all need a little bit of both. And it's just finding for you, what is that, that sweet spot? So before I let you go, do you want to share with us any projects that are coming in the future or anything you're working on now? Sure, sure. Um, I just have warm weather on my mind since, <laughs> you know, as I mentioned, it's so cold here in Minnesota. Yes. So next year at this time, I'll be hosting a um, yoga retreat in Costa Rica. Nice. Yeah. So I, I'm very passionate about yoga retreats because um, during that time where I was you know, starting to learn more about self-care and, and I found yoga, I went on um, a seven-day yoga retreat. And it was my gift. When my husband came home from Iraq, I said, once you settle, I'll give you a couple months, but once you get settled back um, into our home life, I want to take a vacation and take a break and just have a chance to kind of, um, you know, regenerate my energy. And so I went um, for seven days on a yoga retreat. And for seven days, I didn't have to worry about anybody else, anybody else's needs. Um, I was fed beautiful, nourishing food. I got to, you know, walk on the beach and practice yoga. And it was a life-changing experience for me to recognize that I could, as a mom, take a, a seven-day break away from my family and my kids and that things would still be okay, that they would still, you know, life would, would move on mm -hmm. without me. Um, so now I, I offer these retreats to um, share that with other people. 
So if anybody is curious or interested, um, they could go to our um, the studio website that I own. It's called Spirit of the Lake Yoga. And we have a link for retreats specifically um, there on that website and you can find it. Good. That's great. And we'll put the link to your website in the, in the New Books Network blog too. Okay. So, wonderful. So people, thank you. People can find you. Gosh, well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. And um, I'll, yeah. be, I'll be checking out your website and who knows, maybe I'll get to that retreat. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And I, I should mention too, my personal website is NicoleLowald.com. And the two are linked, but um, certainly you could check out both of them. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's that's helpful. That's helpful. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Nice talking with you. You too. Thank you. 